ME is a very real illness, something you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. You're running to stand still. BBC Radio Gloucestershire. Coming up on The Breakfast Show today, we have a woman who claims she found God in a piece of toast. The mayor tells us his recipe for Christmas leftovers, and we're talking musings in a morning with celebrity guest Peter Davison. But first of all, we look into the much maligned and misunderstood illness, ME, myalgic encephalomyelitis, as a new government directive bans people with the illness from giving blood. Well, in the studio, we have our resident local GP, Dr Lindsay Roberts. Dr Roberts, hello and welcome back. January. Something was wrong. He felt tired. He felt drained. He'd seen the doctor and the doctor had ignored him. He'd been for a ride in an ambulance and then was left to crawl home alone. He lost his job, his flat, and returned to the womb of the family home, still insisting he was going to be okay. His family bore the brunt of his mood swings and tried to help him break through the black clouds that consumed their once vibrant son. He became too dependent on them and they were fearful of losing their independence. They watched their loved one go from being healthy and energetic to being lethargic and ill in the click of a finger. He suffered, but they suffered with him. I'm staying here today, Josh. Why? No reason. I thought you were going to town with Sam. I was. Well, why aren't you going? Oh, is Sam backing out of your fancy dress night? <laughs> I told you that an only way as Essex theme was not going to... It's you. Co- I'm not going because of you. It's nothing to do with Sam. I'm fine. Oh, yes, you're fine, evidently. The pyjamas, duvet and unwashed hair can vouch for that. Ah, let's not get into an argument. Josh, I can't go to town knowing what happened Yes, honestly, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm... I'm fine today. Sam told me what happened last night. Yeah, that was nothing. Why don't you tell me, Josh? I mean, even if you can't tell Mum and Dad, you can talk to me. I'm here right now. Christ, I even moved bloody rooms for you when you came back. I think you've earned the right to gain some honesty from you for once. You talk to Sam enough. She can tell you what's going on. She shouldn't have to tell me. You used to tell me this sort of stuff for Pete's sake. But you don't even treat me like your little sister anymore. You just assume I'm here to be some sort of mediator between you and Sam. Yeah, I think that's a bit harsh, actually. I'm struggling to maintain a relationship with Sam. I think you'll find that when you're about to move in with someone and then end up living back with your parents, oh, there's always going to be some sort of... They're all parents, Josh. And I live with them. I live with you. I'm doing my best to look after you and take some of the stress off them, but you insist on clamming up and pushing me away. Sam used to love talking about you to me. I used to love hearing how in love she was. Not like that now, though, is it? And you know why. Just go out to town, will you? I hardly ever see Sam now without her telling me how difficult it is to be with you. And I know what she means. We're both worried, Josh. We're all worried. I'm worried, Becky. Jesus, I'm worried. And all I hear everyone do around me is mad about how they're dealing with this. You can see Sam today. Oh, I haven't asked you to stay here. See her. Have a good time. Forget I exist for the weekend. But make it your decision not to go. Don't make it mine. I know what you're like. What's that supposed to mean? You know what I mean, Josh. Last time I went out, you panicked and called an ambulance. Yes, yes, I know. I know. I don't feel well, that's all. I feel so ill that I think I'm dying. I mean, I I could be dying. Nobody seems to know. I called the ambulance because I panicked. That was a one-off. You've done it three times in the last week. Well, it's the weekend. I'll give them the weekend off. It's not funny, Josh. They're not going to take you seriously. Oh, God, you know me, Becky. I need to make a joke. I'm dying and all I can think of is 
Stupid half-baked comebacks to anything they say. I mean, I genuinely believe I'm dying. Oh, can you please stop saying you're dying, Josh? It's upsetting. You're not dying. How do you expect anyone to take you seriously if you keep using how you feel as a quick feed to a poor punchline? I don't know. The paramedic thought you were wasting his time. He just didn't appreciate my sense of humour. No, he didn't. If someone says they're going to take your pulse, that's what they're going to do. Saying, haven't you got one of your own? It's just taking the... Oh, Josh, seriously. This stopped being a joke months ago. Why don't you even tell Samantha how you feel? She knows. She doesn't know. She hasn't got any idea about what you're going through. She just thinks you're in a depression. There's really no point worrying her as well. No, you just let us do the worrying instead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I love Sam, I, I do. And I don't want to drive her away. But you are. She loves you. She's stuck with you this far, she'll understand. She saw you last night, she knows what this entails. Yeah, but I used to be able to do stuff. I can't even take her to the cinema without leaving halfway through because my eyes and ears become too sensitive to the film. I mean, Christ, too sensitive. It's only a Julia Roberts movie. She thought I was making excuses to leave. And what if it happens again? I'll make sure it's not a Julia Roberts movie. <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry, I know. Look, I've told her it's exhaustion. Let's let's just leave it at that. Besides, it it might be. Uh, working two jobs to save for a deposit was getting to me. You know how hard it is to get a house. I was fed up of renting. Well, this is why I haven't moved out. You had that, Josh. But you're back here and you treat it like a travel lodge with us as your room service. Oh, Becky, just go to town, will you? Just leave it now. Come with us. What? To town. Well, how can I? I can't even walk down to the post box without feeling like I've run the London Marathon. We'll be there to help you. You can stick a number on your back. We'll say it's an aid of charity. <laughs> Becky, just go. I'll, I'll be okay. I just need a rest. I've got my mobile. Ring me. Don't ring Mum and Dad. Just go back and see the doctor on Monday. No. Why? You're not exactly doing anything else at the moment. It's a waste of time. I'll sit there and explain my never-ending list of symptoms. He, he won't even listen. He never listens. He just... Stares right through me. I think he assumes I'm a hypochondriac. Or a window. <laughs> well, I might as well be. Seriously, how do you talk to someone like that when he's just staring blankly at me like I'm some kind of an idiot?
6.05pm and a happy Easter to you. You're listening to the Medical Hour with local GP Dr Lindsay Roberts on hand to dispense her wisdom and advice. So if you have any queries or questions, lumps or bumps, sprains or pains, then please feel free to ring in. Our first caller is asking why Emmy, which used to be dismissively known as Yuppie Flu, is not treated in the same breath as MS and other progressive and debilitating diseases. I'll bring you in on that one. March. The worst moment of her life was when she thought Joshua was going to die. He went to hospital. She went too. Their hands and their hearts became one. He was sent home and told to rest. She knew he wouldn't. She cried all night. They had been so close to moving in together that this enforced separation made both of them begin to suffer. He moved back in with his parents. She visited every evening after work. He said he couldn't stay at her house. She didn't want to stay in his childhood bedroom. His mystery illness and her constant company showed the cracks in their relationship. They argued and they laughed. They fought and they cried. They loved and they lied. Why do you do it, Josh? Every time I say I'm going somewhere, you start feeling ill. Yeah, that's not true. I can't help it if I'm ill. Believe me, Sam, I'd rather be in something else than stuck here every night. Meaning? <laughs> Meaning exactly that. So you don't want me to come down anymore? No, I didn't say that. You implied it. I did not imply it. Oh, look, there's no point in arguing. I just don't feel well, that's all. I don't usually ask you to stay, but tonight I'd like some company. Well, your family's here. No, that's not the same. Look, I've got to go out. Why? Josh, you always ask me to stay in with you. I'm with you every night. Well, I'd do the same for you. I know you would, but that's not the reason I'm... I need a break, Josh. I can't be with you all the time. It depresses me to see you like this. I go home at night and cry myself to sleep sometimes. Yeah, sorry. Don't Apologise, you always apologise. I know it's not your fault. I'm just trying to explain why I have to get away. I could have gone out ten minutes ago if you weren't so insistent on constant arguing. 
You rely on me too much and it's not good for either of us. I don't rely on you. You do. Well, you leaned on me when you were going through that crappy ex-landlord business. I, I just had to think you were paying me for that. Caring for each other isn't a business, Josh. We do it because we love each other, not because we expect some sort of return on it. Well, I never said you had to come down every night, did I? I know that. You can say no. I know, that's not the point. Oh, it's never the point, is it? If you stop trying to make a point all the time, we'd understand each other a lot better. Stop it, Josh, that's unfair. Yes, you're right. It's unfair that you're going out tonight and I'm not. It's unfair that I'm living with my parents again and you're not. It's unfair that you're healthy and I'm not. Life's unfair, Samantha. You should have found that out by now. Shut up! Josh, stop going on! Why? I've got every right to go on. I'm the one who's ill. Oh, how you love to remind us. Oh, not asking much. You can go out any night. But I can't, can I? I can't go out any night because this will happen every time. You're pushing it too far, Josh. You should stay with me. I, I need support. I'm ill. You wallow in it. You don't let anyone have a minute's peace, do you? Don't you think we know you're ill? Your mum, your dad are worried sick. Becky's always asking what's going on inside your head and I just don't know. You've changed. You're selfish. You're shallow-minded. You make us feel so guilty, Josh. And you know you're doing it. Yeah, well, you're the one who's prepared to turn your back on me and go out this evening. <laughs> you're not listening. All you ever do is pity yourself. I don't know whether you're deliberately doing this to push me away, but it's worked, Josh. It's worked. I've had enough. Just go out then. That's it. That's it. That's the end. I can't take it anymore. What do you mean that's the end? That's the end of the argument. You you, you can go out. I, I still love you, Josh. I really do. But I don't actually like you anymore. What the hell am I supposed to do about that? You're the one who's got a problem with me being ill. See? You're hurting me every day. I've got to finish this. For both of us. I can't do this anymore. I've got no life. And you've got no life. We've got no life, Josh. It's soul-destroying. Fine. Do you, do you think I can? I, I don't need this either. All right. If that's the way you want it. Yeah, that's the way I want it. It's, it's, not, as if you, it's not as if you're the only girl that's thrown herself at me. You're pathetic! Break out of your fantasy world, Josh, and stop acting like a teenager. Start facing up to reality. I don't need this aggravation, Sam. It's just making me worse. Don't blame me. I thought you said you were going. I mean it, Josh. I'm not coming back this time. Watch the door doesn't hit you on the way out. Sam? No, no. Hang on, Sam. I, I didn't mean it. Don't say you understand when you
Day and we'll be talking about the traditions and the ancient rites of the festivities that surround May Day with three of the Gloucestershire Morris Men Troop. Uh, there's a debate also going on in the studio as to whether Morris men allow Morris women into their ritual dances or not. And talking of debates, we've got a carryover phone-in from yesterday where we asked you whether the illness, ME, was all in the mind and could be cured by psychological and cognitive behavioural therapy or whether it was an illness of the body as first submitted to the World Health Organisation in the mid-1960s. So we'll take our first call now from Dr Wesley, who'll be answering criticisms of his bully tactics in regard... May. Simon was Joshua's best friend. They'd grown up together and now they were grown apart. They shared the same sense of humour, the same taste in music and films and often the same choice of the fairer sex. They called themselves brothers... He couldn't understand Joshua's illness because he didn't know what to say, how to talk to him, what to do. He became more distant as Josh became more reclusive. Their friendship became a long-distance relationship and eventually it began to fade away like the childhood memories they had once shared. He wanted to remember him how he was and not for how he had become. I don't know what to do anymore, Sam. I, I just can't pluck up enough courage to see him. Try the alcoholic kind of courage. It'll be easier that way. I could do with a drink now, actually, now you've said that. You fancy having a quick one? A drink, that is, not the poor innuendo. I don't need to be back at work until 2.30 for possibly the most boring meeting in the history of the universe, so, yeah, I'll take you up on that. The drink? Or the... Yes, the drink. There's a little bistro on the other side of that pond. I didn't know anything green existed nearby. Why have we never met up here before? Because you seem to have got addicted to the coffee served in my office cafeteria. And don't say you haven't. I've seen you buying it in the afternoons too. Nah, I'm just stalking you. It's thirsty work. Look, we need to talk about Josh. But you've got no obligation to Josh anymore. You're not seeing him. Why are you worried? Becky says he's just locked away in his bedroom doing nothing. Well... Since you're not there anymore, he might be doing something else altogether. Tell you what, I'll pop round and see if he needs glasses yet. Sai, stop it. I'm trying to have a sensible conversation with you for once. You're as bad as Josh used to be. And that's what I mean. You, you said used to be. I've known Josh virtually all my life, and this isn't... Well, he's not... You know, it's not him, is it? Yeah, it's hard to understand. He might look the same, but he's definitely not the same. I just don't know him anymore, either. There's a table by the bar. Come on. There you go. Park your ass on that. <laughs> Charming. And see why nobody's stalking you. Are we allowed to eat our own food in here? I've got a packed lunchbox. Mm, you flatter yourself. Huh? Oh, ha-ha. Very funny. Look, oh, I'll grab a drink in a minute when it's not so busy at the bar. Do you fancy catching a movie tonight? There's a new Julia Roberts one that you might enjoy. Stop changing the subject. We're still talking about Josh. Okay, okay. So, what's wrong with him, exactly? Nobody knows. The doctor can't give him a straight answer after loads of tests, but he's just shut himself off from everyone, whether it's intentional or not. I don't think he wants anyone to know how he really is. Why doesn't he tell everyone how bad he is? How does he expect to stay in touch with us if he doesn't let us help him out? He's stubborn as you. I do admire that quality in him. Yeah, you would. So, is that why he's moved back in with his PGs? PGs? Parental guidances. Incidentally, also the certificate of the Julia Roberts movie. 
This doesn't mean that you have to bring parents along. Okay, I'll go. Jeez, you're nothing if not persistent. Look, Josh has lost his job, his social life, his flat. He's lost you. Don't make me feel guilty. I, I couldn't do it anymore. He didn't lose me. He pushed me away. I wouldn't push you away. You would have meant getting to my office coffee before me. <laughs> Look, Sam, I really want to go around and see him, but I don't think I can face it. I don't want to see him like that. We're blokes. We don't talk about being unwell and stuff. It's as awkward as the wobbly leg on this bloody table. That's the problem with you males, isn't it? You never talk about your feelings. Depends what we've been feeling. Just ring him then. I don't, I don't know. He might not want to speak to me. He'd love to hear from you, I'm sure of it. How can you say that? Look at how he treated you. That's different. No, it's not. If he can be nasty to someone he sleeps with, then he's not going to want me there. Besides, my pyjamas would clash with his pillowcases. Stop making excuses, Simon. Just go and see him. I can't. It was okay when he was still struggling into work because he was acting all normal. Well, if you can call Josh normal. Listen, Becky said he feels okay sometimes now, so just make sure you go round then. I don't trust his sister. What do you mean by that? Becky's one of my best friends. She stares a lot. I mean, a lot. Looks right at you continually. You know when you catch someone's eye and they immediately look away? Well, Becky doesn't do that. She just keeps looking. Does that make her a bad person? Yes. Well, you fiddle with your privates a lot. I do not. Yes, you do. You're always playing pocket snooker whenever we walk somewhere. Well, I won't ask if you'd like to chalk the tip of my cue. No, don't. Anyway... Does that make you a bad person? No. Well, there you go, then. How can you compare Becky staring at me with my attempts to rearrange my furniture? Perhaps that's why she's staring at you. Get your hand out of your pockets, her eyes are saying. Oh, come on, Sam. This isn't getting us anywhere. What do you want to drink? Just a Bucks Fizz. You had no trouble making your mind... Up, yes, I need say that. It's lucky I'm old enough to get that joke. You'll be asking me to rip my skirt off next. Well, I'm game if you are. Just a Bucks Fizz drink, not the 80s has-beens. <laughs> Josh and I used to do this great routine about Bucks Fizz at the Eurovision Song Contest, where he would be... Oh, do you know what? It doesn't matter. It does matter. That's the sort of thing he's missing. You need to go and see him. Are you being served? Oh, uh, no, no. Can I have a Bucks Fizz and a glass of the house red, please? I'm still not sure, Sam. You'll never be sure, Si. Just pick up the phone and ring him, or or text him even. It's the only solution. Look, I don't think I'll bother. Stop being such a wimp. You'll be fine with him. You won't exactly have to say much, will you? Has he gone deaf as well? No, you idiot. I mean, you two are so alike. I've always said you were probably a pair of identical twins who got separated at birth. The only thing that got separated at my birth was my mother's... Yes, thank you, Simon. I don't want to know. My mother's parents. I was going to say my mother's parents. They got lost in the hospital car park. Uh, That'll be uh, £9 exactly, please. Oh, thanks for that. Just uh, pop the change in the charity box there, will you? Ooh, nice bit of Buck's Fizz. Thanks for that. Anyway, if Josh and I are supposedly so alike... Yes. However did you choose between us? Josh asked me first. Oh, thank goodness. I thought you were going to say he had a better packed lunchbox than me. I wouldn't know. Well, now you're no longer together... Yes, 
What are you getting at? Oh, hell. Why aren't you going out with me? I am. We're going to that Julia Roberts movie tonight. And will there be kissing in the back row of the movies? There might be. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Did you see my soul fly by? It's left my body for good. Taste the salty tears I cry. And tell me I'm not misunderstood. for the coming week is promising us high temperatures across the whole of the southwest of England. 
which makes a change from the incessant rain that's blighted us for weeks on end. Uh, today with our local GP, Dr Lindsay Roberts, we're talking vitamins and more precisely vitamin supplements. We know, for instance, that a lack of sunshine, a common condition found in the long-term ill with conditions like ME, for example, causes a vitamin D deficiency, which makes people lethargic and miserable. Uh, no wonder why us at radio presenters are lethargic and miserable lot stuck in our studios all day long. July. He complained of tiredness, weakness, dizziness, blurred vision, headaches, stomach pains, palpitations, everything under the sun. He was one long list of symptoms. He changed doctors. His new one told him it was M.E. By now he was confined indoors. He didn't want to leave the relative safety of his house as he was so drained of energy. His illness wasn't recognised by a lot of the medical profession and wasn't understood by a lot of people that knew him. At times he would be positive and cheerful. Other times he would be negative and sad. All too often it was the latter. I hate hospitals. You win. I win what? The prize for the millionth time someone can say, I hate hospitals. Well, I do. I know. They're just so depressing, full of suffering and pain and the loss of dignity. Very much like I feel when talking to you. Ah, very funny. It's just all death and dying. You know you're not supposed to have your phone on in here, don't you? Everyone else does. Yes, everyone else does know. That's why you don't see anyone else sat here texting. No, everyone else has their phone on. I've seen people answer phones in here before. Who were you texting? Emily. Do I know her? No. Why don't you text Simon? You haven't seen him for ages. I can't flirt with Simon. Oh, so Emily is... Never mind, just a friend. I shall tell the nurse you've chosen texting over getting your surgical gown on. All right, hang on. Let me finish this text and I'll tell you. Morning, fancy pants. Sitting here waiting to have a sigmoidoscopy. About to get undressed. Woo! Luckily for you, I won't be sending a picture message. She's just someone I met online. The ME website you sent me a link to. They, they have a forum and we got chatting. Oh, so I'm a matchmaker now. Oh, it's not like that, Becky. We just, we just talk. Silly talk. Must be nice to speak to someone who empathises with you. Puts us not wheeze in the shade, I should think. Well, you understand more than most. I try to. I do. It's difficult when you haven't got it. Hang on, text. Hello, Chubby Chops. Mmm, a sigmoidoscopy. I had a Sigmund Freudoscopy once. I had to grow a beard and spout sexual theories that made no sense. Why are you getting naked? Is that Emily? Yes. Say hello. I have. No, from me, you idiot. She doesn't know you. Which is why it might be nice to say hello. Never mind, I'm getting a coffee. Do you want a drink? No, thanks. A sigmoidoscopy is where they attempt to turn you into a scarecrow by sticking a pole up your... Well, where you say I think the sun shines out of. This is why I need to get naked, so they don't have to cut a hole out of the seat of my trousers. I like my trousers. Cold coffee from a machine that's supposed to supply hot coffee. I think that's a metaphor for the NHS. You still texting? Yeah. Did you say hello from me? Uh, Yes. I don't see hospitals as bad places, by the way. You haven't been ill. True, but if I was, I'd think I'd prefer to be in a hospital than try to treat myself. <laughs> that wasn't what I meant. You keep saying they're full of death and dying. Because they are. Well, yes, I'm not disputing that, but they are mostly full of hope. A fighting spirit. I mean, nobody comes in here expecting or wanting to die, do they? Don't know. Not sure I want to discuss it, really. Why not? It makes me uncomfortable. 
I'm having trouble holding it together for this. It's only a procedure. It's not a very nice one. I'm actually quite scared. You silly sod. There's nothing to be scared about. You're not the one having it done. Why are you having a pole inserted in your hindquarters, you pervert? They're exploring my stomach. Your stomach's in a weird place. What's Emily like? Why? Just ask you. Is she as ill as you? Oh, she's been worse. Really? Yeah, two years bedbound. She gets well in a wheelchair now. I think she uh, said she used to have oxygen on her worst days. Does she have panics too? Yes. Blimey, you'll make a lovely couple. <laughs> We're not a couple. So, has she had one of these? I don't think so. I haven't asked. What do you talk about? Anything but M.E. Right, so you talk about M.E. to people that don't understand it, and when you find someone who does, you don't talk to them about it. Josh, you do realise that's incredibly stupid, don't you? You're incredibly stupid. And you appear to have the argumentative skills of a five-year-old. Well, she just knows. There's nothing to tell her. You don't know. That's why I need to tell you. I do my best. I'm here now, aren't I? Yeah, I'm really grateful, Becky. Please don't take it the wrong way. I'd have never made it here on the bus. I know I don't always say I appreciate what you do. Well, I'm a close-blood relation. It's my sworn duty to be a taxi service. I suppose I should get that gown on. Just need a text reply. Have you had a sigmoidoscopy? I hate dressing gowns. I'll add it to the list. Do I have to wear it? I brought it to put over your surgical one. You do realise this one gets split at the back. I don't fancy seeing your flabby ass walking off into the examination room. They remind me of being ill. What do you mean? Oh, let me just read this text. Yes, I had a sigmoidoscopy. I've also had an endoscopy, where they stick a tube down your throat. I did ask at the time to just keep going and do both procedures at once. Nice. An Emily kebab. I wouldn't mind munching on one of... No, no, delete. Too rude. What was that? Uh, nothing, just, just texting. Nice. An Emily kebab. I think I'd ask for the vegetarian option. Finished? One more second. Are you saying I'm a piece of meat? You're definitely a nice bit of rump. Oh, I might, oh, I might have crossed the line there. What do you mean? Uh, it's OK. I'd try not to be too rude. Now I know you're ill. Yes, yes. I just... I don't want to ruin this. I thought you said she was just a friend. I did. It's all about bottoms this morning. Well, she's replied. You must be doing something right. You can talk to her about dressing gowns instead. Why would I do that? Because you're obviously not going to tell me. Tell you what? You said you hated dressing gowns. I've no idea why. They're just fluff. You can't hate fluff. I wore one constantly for months. I, I hate them. I feel ill just putting one on now. Well, don't wear it. Just walk backwards to your appointment. Ah, but then you won't see me smiling at you. <laughs> I think it's about time we met, isn't it? I need to see if your bum is as fat as mine. I like that. I like that very much. Fatty. I don't think I'm so scared now, Becky. Good. Nothing to be scared of. Now, come on. It's already five minutes after your appointment time and you still aren't in the surgical gown. And it's so your style. 70s floral with a nice pastel wash. Oh, <laughs> it'll look nice with a full moon. Cheeky. like the summer's breeze See me swaying with the dancing of the trees See me flying through nostalgic skies 
See me crying as my life flashes by I'm not complaining, I just like to be A little less restricted, a little more free I'm not complaining, I just like to say A little more tomorrow, a little less yesterday See me laughing at the shining sun See me hoping for the good times yet to come See me standing in a world that rushes by See me yearning for a love to satisfy I'm not complaining, I just like to be A little less restricted, a little more free I'm not complaining, I just like to say Little or tomorrow, little less yesterday excuses you gave for not handing in your homework in on time ring us on the usual number but first we look at the top stories in this morning's newspapers in the telegraph there's the heartbreaking story of a mother who witnessed her teenage daughter fade away due to the illness me and who is now on trial for aiding in the suicide of the bed-bound girl in the guardian the front page september he hardly went out at all Every time he tried to, he'd have some kind of panic attack or physically suffer for it afterwards. Nobody saw him. His colleagues from work continued on with their lives, making friends with his replacement, and his long-term friends only heard rumours of how he was spiralling downwards in health. He didn't have the energy to get in touch with them, so they didn't get in touch with him. He was a physical and mental wreck. He assumed the world was out to get him, and the medical profession were conspiring against him by telling him there was nothing they could do for him. His only regular visitor was a girl called Emily, another ME sufferer, who he'd met online and who happened to live close by. It was these visits he began to look forward to more and more. Hello, Cherub Cheeks. Hello, Angel Draws. Feeling any better today? Um, Not too bad. Which, roughly translated, means you're feeling pretty rotten. Yeah, that's about right. 
Why didn't you just say that in the first place, then? You can't fool me. After all, I've had this longer than you. Hey, it's not a competition. It doesn't fill me with inspiration that you're still in after three years. And you're uh, in a... Yes? No, nothing, sorry. You were going to say, in a wheelchair, weren't you? You idiot. I don't need this permanently. It's just for bad days. And this is a bad day. It'll get worse if you start spewing self-pity out like a particularly whiny volcano. As long as we're happy, that's all that matters. Well, I massively admire your resolutely chipper attitude to life. And I find your grumpy indifference strangely appealing. Slap a wet frilly white shirt on you and I'll call you Mr Darcy, whilst fluttering my fan at you. Fluttering you or what at me? My fan. Fan. (sighs) Trust you to make something filthy out of Jane Austen. I'm sorry. No need to apologise. Why do you always apologise? I just feel it's necessary. I'm a sort of walking apology. Instead of apologising all the time or trying to be funny, why don't you start telling people how you really feel? I feel with a series of electrical nerve endings that connect the tips of my fingers to my brain. (laughs) What brain? Oh, that's below the belt. Where most men's brains are, certainly. There's nothing special there. (laughs) How would you know? Mr Darcy would never talk about the size of his riding crop with such disregard for the female sensibilities. Oh, well, for speaking in pseudo-Austin, I shall have to use the worst weapons of torture ever on you. Which are... The tickling digits! (laughs) Josh, they're your hands! Oh, yeah, still they're pretty deadly. Stop it! Stop it, Josh! Being serious! (laughs) Look, you should tell people when you're not well. Oh, if I start doing that, they'll leave. Sam did. Sam had every reason for leaving. Except the right one. You know that's not true. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. Anyway, no use dwelling on the past. Oh, says the woman who idolises Jane Austen. Here, I bought these books for you. Ah, What are they? They're leather-bound receptacles of knowledge that you read. Oh, yes, very funny. What are they about? They're about six by four inches. Oh, Emily, you're getting worse than me. You could just read the titles, you dunce. They're about your diet. I'm not on a diet. No, it's about what you eat. Some people found them helpful. Oh, the hay food diet. According to those books, if you're eating the wrong foods, it can make you worse. Oh, right, well, I'll have to give up those uh, arsenic rice cakes then. Nice. You're being about as sensible as a small child with a bag full of novelty bangers. There's nothing more sensible than that. Ask my little brother. You haven't got a little brother. Ah, well, you can't ask him then. Josh, you're being deliberately silly today. I know the difference between happy fooling and when it's masking something. What's wrong? Oh, I don't know. I'm fed up. I don't want to be stuck in this room anymore. I could actually tell you how many stripes there are on this wallpaper. Well, I expect that'll come in handy. I feel like five kinds of animal poop... Rolled into one. Oh dear. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> I suppose it wasn't the best word to use. It wasn't the best phrase either. I think I saw Sam this morning. That's good. Have you spoken to her recently? Oh look, Emily, I don't mean to be rude. You but usually do, we, do. Yeah, but do we have to talk about Sam? Every time I try and have a normal conversation with someone, they always mention her name. It's been months now, and it does tend to get a teensy weens a bit tedious after a while. Okay, okay. Oh, to be honest, I don't think she understands that much about being ill. I do. Yes, I know. I wasn't suggesting... Look, Emily, you've, you've been a great help. I'm, I mean, I don't think I could have got through these last few months on my own. I've needed someone there, and it's been you. You miss Sam, don't you? Yes, I miss her. Constantly. Whatever I sling at her, she ducks. She still doesn't know it's me, as a would-be <laughs> oh, assassin. Though. Josh, you're not too old for me to put you over my knee and give you a good spanking. Oh, it'll be difficult in that wheelchair. But it's okay to admit missing her, you know. Look, I miss her as a friend, that's all. We were always very close. 
Do you think about her a lot? No. Mostly I think about you and I sipping champagne in a hot jacuzzi. Joshua, be sensible for once in your life. Anyway, my wheelchair would rust. (laughs) You could get out of your wheelchair. And you could stop having naughty thoughts. I'm trying to ask you about Sam. Okay, let's ask this magic eight ball. Give it to me, I'll do it. Does Josh miss Sam? What did it say? Ask again later. <laughs> Look, I miss Sam. We were close, but we become more like best friends than anything else. Okay, well, as long as you're being honest. Cross my heart and hope to not die. So will you be feeling up to a trip to the cinema next week? Only if I'm not dead. Josh, stop going on about death. Seriously, you idiot. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I can't, I can't promise anything. We'll see how we feel next week. I suppose it's a case of wait and see. Only if there's a cue. <laughs> Shut up. Now, here, put these books away. Thanks. And then we'll... What did you do that for? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Stop apologising. I can't believe you just kissed me. Sorry, sorry. It was, ju- it was just spur of the moment. Sorry. It's okay. Honestly, I'm not complaining. Sorry, it's just my way of saying thank you for putting up with me and... Looking after me. I hope you don't thank everyone like that. Uh, only if they've got a disabling illness too. Bring on the schizophrenics then. Well, actually, don't. You'd never be kissing just one person, would you? There's only one person I want to kiss. <laughs> you stupid sod. <laughs> Fancy running over here and letting me give you an MOT? I'm not even going to ask what that stands for in your head. Yeah, best not to. Well, I suppose a little inspection wouldn't hurt.
November. It was his birthday. He seemed a little better. He hoped it was the green shoots of recovery beginning to show through. He had built bridges by having the odd visit from Samantha and Simon, as well as proudly showing off Emily as his new girlfriend. He knew he shouldn't build his hopes up, as having this illness was like being on a roller coaster ride. One second you were up, the next you were down again. What he thought would be gone in a week had stayed with him a year. He felt hope creeping back into his thoughts, which was something that, up until now, he'd been lacking. He ventured out more. His mood swings and emotional ups and downs were levelling off, but it certainly wasn't all plain sailing. He knew that he could go straight back to square one at any given moment. He was taking every day as it came. He lived for the moment, because the moment was all he could live for. The future was undecided, and he accepted that. He tried remedies and medicine, anything that might help him, even a little. He wasn't going to give in without some sort of a fight. And throughout this, his family had stuck by him with a religious devotion, forsaking their own active lives to care for him. It was a life of uncertainty, but it was his life, and he wasn't going to let anything or anybody take that away from him. Look out my window and I see the world flow by Watching clouds in slow-mo wending the way across the sky I look out my window and I see the world flow by We've all got lives to live and believe me I'm gonna try I may be standing Live and it's no use turning back. I 
Learning to Stand Still, an audio production by the Offstage Theatre Group for the Wireless Theatre Company and in aid of Invest in ME. The original script, music and lyrics were first written for the stage in 1992 by Barnaby Eaton-Jones. In 1996, an audio adaptation became the first play ever broadcast on BBC Radio Gloucestershire. This 20th anniversary version was updated, revised and rewritten by the author in 2012 to create a brand new production. Sound and editing were courtesy of Steve Bradbury. The running to standstill players, in order of appearance, were Jilly Breeze as Rebecca, Barnaby Eaton-Jones as Joshua, Dawn Stanley as Samantha, Rob Leatham as Simon, and Rowena Perkins as Emily. The real-life radio personalities and presenters featured were, in alphabetical order, Richard Atkins, Claire Carter, Dominic Cotter, Rachel Darcy, Faye Hatcher, Steve Kitchen and Annie McKee. With grateful thanks to Nick Bull and BBC Radio Gloucestershire. Running to Stand Still was produced by Steve Bradbury and directed by Barnaby Eaton-Jones. All profits from this production are directed to the funding of a research centre by Invest in ME, which concentrates solely on the illness that remains the focal point of this play. All copyright on songs, lyrics and script remain with Barnaby Eaton-Jones.